Australia in four, the United States in five. Off, McKenzie at the bottom, Stubbins above her, Schlanger in six, then to the yellow lane, Henry. Queen start, Newell's got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce. For short of Germany was away well. They'll go to the wall all together, pick that one. Bloomer in fact, ahead of Manuel and Hirsch Amenya. What a shot, Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 breaststroke. Now Henry is starting to come at her. Henry's throwing Linden down. Linden and Henry. Henry and Linden. They hit it. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes. the biggest victory. <laughs> Everyone, and welcome to the Shannon Rollison podcast for another week. Uh, this week, again, we have a very special guest, uh, Mr. Shannon Rollison, obviously the host of the show. Shannon, I'm going to drop out early today and i'm going to let you introduce our special guest take over i've said this to you before you're the reason people tune into this show so i'm going to drop out and uh, let you take over introduce our very special guest for the week thanks very much robbie yes we're uh, coming live at uh, a different time slot night time here but it's uh, early hours or morning hours in edinburgh and i'm happy to uh, introduce matt trodden now, Matt uh, and I coached together um, with the University of Edinburgh uh, when I went to Scotland in 2017, 2018, and we had some great chats. Uh, we basically coached side by side the whole time. Um, I'll go through the, the setup with Edinburgh, or I'll let Matt um, do that. Uh, Chris Jones was our head coach, but um, had some great interaction with Matt um, and uh Happy to have him on the show. How are you, Matt? I'm great, thanks. It's great to be on. I've been enjoying the Shannon Rollison, Rollison Marathon podcast as we start off. Hey, you thought two hours was long. Have you, have you had a listen to the Danish one? Uh, I've had a listen to the first half an hour of the three-hour marathon. <laughs> well, there's a bit of a story behind that. We only <laughs> we did it two and a half times. We got halfway through the first part we must have done about an hour and then uh it didn't record <laughs> so we had to <laughs> we had to cut and paste and uh so anyway funny stuff but uh mate how you been i i, <clears throat> I had a look at um uh, the, on the scottish website uh this morning so ali's still in charge alan give us the rundown of, of scottish swimming well, I there's there's, there's no uh, new players to the game, but uh, there's some new roles. Ali's uh, actually I don't know what his official title is now, uh, but he's uh, taking on a new role. Alan's still doing the performance uh, national coach end, and and Dorothy Roberts has has, has got a new role as well. So it's still all the same people at the top, but um, they've got director some of aquatics, new roles. isn't he? Yeah, director of aquatics. That's it. Yeah. What, what, <laughs> so, what was he when I was there? Uh, he was just the MPD, so um, performance director. Always got along with Ali. He was great. Well, I had some good chats, um, and uh, yeah, he was he was the guy that was instrumental in getting me to, into Scotland. And uh, and funny enough, we 
both were married on the exact same day back in 1999. So we, we, we uh, exchange uh, WhatsApp these days. Um, just to remind just... each other of your anniversary. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think I'm ahead of him, so I'm, I'm probably always saving him. <laughs> and it's my fault if he forgets. <laughs> and, uh, how's Jim going, Jim Aiken? Jim's amazing. So uh, obviously it's been a pretty turbulent, it's been a turbulent year for everyone, hasn't it? But um, I guess no more so than the the gym and leisure industry because they've been shut for such a long time. But um, as ever with Jim, it's just been uh, sort of a time to be creative, and we've done new things at the uni. I mean, you wouldn't recognise some of the stuff. It's now we've now got this big outdoor CrossFit facility uh, down at Peffer Mill. They're still looking at the the idea to totally re- renovate Peffermill into a sports village. And um, yeah, we've, yeah, again, it's just, everything's always moving in that place. So yeah, he's been great. Chris is great. Uh, we've got a new, uh, other coach in Ross, who's, who's new since you were there. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it's, it's, it's all, it's all going, going well. Did Ross uh, replace John? Uh, yeah, Ross replaced John. So uh, he came in, maybe the summer after you left in 2018. So he's been there for a good three years now. Well, two. I always tell him it's only two years because he had a year sabbatical uh, for COVID, didn't he? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah but, I was yeah. counting up the weeks of uh, here in Canberra and not as bad as Sydney, but we've had um, 18 weeks, uh, nine weeks just when we just came out last Friday and um, nine weeks the, you know, the year before. And I was talking to Dennis Cottrell, uh, the other day and and you know like well like when you're trying to move people and and you know from national to international it's it's the last thing you need but anyway um it is what it is yeah i mean um, I, we, had, we had we had a chat with the guys the other day you know because we we're looking at camps and you're know, starting to get things moving and you know we'd had a great since 2018 sort of four or five camps up at sierra nevada um however after, yeah, after 20, i remember the, after the snow it, shots after a 20-week lockdown, no one wants to go back to Sierra. I've had it for another three-week lockdown. So. <laughs> Did you get to Granada? Oh, we got to Granada. We got some great tapas down there. Yeah. No, that's a fantastic place. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly as a facility, I, I did two camps up there, both different camps. One was leading into a meet and one was early season. Early season was 2014. Uh, I think we did two weeks there. Fred was always there. You know, and everyone I've ever spoken to about Sierra Nevada says Fred's there, you know. So um, was Fred there when you were there? Uh, Fred's never been there when we were there. Ah. <laughs> we, we probably only got space because Fred wasn't there. <laughs> uh, yeah, now, Jim, I can, like, what a got, what the energy of that bloke, um, he could do anything. I, I remember um, I, I did the Scottish interview for the job when I was back in uh, Denmark in 2016, leading up to the Olympics. And I, it was a Friday night and they flew me out on Ryanair. So you probably know where this is heading. It was a 7.30, 8 o'clock type flight. And it just got, kept getting bumped back and bumped back. I got to my hotel at 3 a.m. in the morning. And Ryanair, like if anyone's... I'm, I'm a midget, you know. I'm like 170. I, I, I didn't fit in the seat. 
at the back. I was right at the back of the seat and I was thinking, God, Ali, why is it? If this is how it's going to be. <laughs> you're, lucky, you're lucky Ali swung for Ryanair. I thought you'd have made you swim across it. <laughs> and it was 3 a.m. I get into bed and I was up at, I think, 8.30. I had to meet uh, Ali and then you know, I met yourself and, and uh, Chris at breakfast. But um, Jim Aiken, I, I was so impressed with him. I, I, you know, after uh, the, you know the interview and, and stuff, I just thought I, I want to work for someone like this. And uh, yeah, no, it was it was a great experience. I mean, I think that's a tale for pretty much all of us. Whenever uh, everyone that works for the university, it's you know once you've um, had a bit of time with Jim, you, yeah. you know you can't help but walk out and just want to crush the world. Um, yeah, no, absolutely, you know, it's great. Um. The uh, oh, and I was thinking back to my time too. Is you know, the announcer does all the the Scottish swimming. I, I met him once and I actually said to him, I said, Mate, you are the best swimming announcer in the world ever. Is he still working yeah, with you? Duncan McKinnell, yeah, he's yeah. A, still, a, still a legend in these parts. Um, I think he did the Commonwealth Games announcing in 2014 um but yeah he's totally underused i mean he's he can make any race sound exciting um, he you know you sometimes clamber you're like oh my god what's going on here oh it's a 12 and under 53 style but it yeah. sounds like it could be the olympic final yeah uh, yeah he's brilliant you know he's um, one of the only he's one of the only that, ones that has research research yeah yeah so we now remember the uh the singer off that Britain's Got Talent or something. What was the one of the early ones? She was just a magnificent Susan, singer. Susan Boyle. Susan Boyle. Yeah. So Ellen I, I entered. Ellen I entered Ava, um, my daughter, who was what year? Twenty eight. She must have been eleven at the time. And we entered her in this swim meet, and we went out to it. And you told me that that's where Susan Boyle came from, this little town. Yeah, Whitburn. Yeah. It's Whitburn, West Lothian. Anyway, so Ava's in the, yeah, we ended her in 450s and the 200 free in a relay. It was a great meet. It, it was like, Robbie, it was how all junior meets should be. It's like it was include, It was a 40-minute warm-up. I think they gave 20 minutes for all, all the boys, 20 minutes for all the girls. And then they did the meet and then they did the presentations at the end and they were just bang, 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 like nearly every 10 minutes Ava was swimming. Anyway, she did the 200 freestyle. Well, if, if, if you were only listening to it, it sounded like the Olympic final. You know, it was Rollison's coming from lane two. She's, she's gone out. She's got too much left in the tank. She's coming home like a train. You know, like she's 11-year-old. She swam like 250 or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember coming back and telling you, and every swim meet we went to, no matter what the level, he was talking. He he's just absolutely fantastic. So uh, he knows everything. He knows everything. He knows the coaches. You know, not just the, the elite level coaches. He knows all the district coaches. Yeah. You know, he knows all the clubs. You know, he's just he's he is a a hidden gem. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, if if anyone's thinking that swimming needs you know, to be exciting, I'll tell you what, it starts from the commentator and, and this guy would make any race exciting. So, 
Um, the, uh, the only other thing I was going to sit uh, before we get into uh, the main part of the chat is Scottish swimming. Like one of the things that I was, you know, I, I was impressed with because of just how difficult the club scene was. Um, and to, just to paint a bit of a picture, um, Ava and Ethan were training in Scotland and they were in the same club, but they didn't swim in the same pool. They, they were training like three or four times a week. Ava was definitely training at three different pools. Ethan, I think he was at least two different pools and they had different times. So Tuesday it'd be maybe 7.30 for Ethan and Thursday he'd, he'd finish at 8.30 and I, I just couldn't, and, and, and pool-wise, you know, like short course pools, one of the pools, El, I never went to it, but Elizabeth described it. It was an indoor pool, but you needed a raincoat or an umbrella. There was so much condensation. <laughs> and it's, be mate, if, if you've got a Scottish swimmer that gets through all of that, you've got someone who really loves swimming. Would that paint the picture of? Yeah, yeah I mean, swimming? there's, there's, yeah, there's a, obviously most of our facilities in Scotland are council owned. There's very few private facilities, um, which therefore means there's huge access uh, agreements for the public. So there's a big squeeze on pool time. Uh, and then if you're not, so before I coached in Edinburgh, I coached in East Lothian, it meant there was a lot of travel. Uh, you know, kids could be traveling 25 to 35 mile road. Uh, single way trips to get to training so and then when you get to the city centre places like Edinburgh you, you know what Edinburgh's like I mean it's a medieval town and it's uh, it wasn't built for for cars many parts of it you know it's the traffic's horrendous um, mm. so um, you know it, it's a big commitment a huge commitment especially with all the pools being all over the place so yeah no I've, I've got a big um, appreciation for all parents that uh, get their kids and also for all the club coaches because it's not easy. Um, nah, you know, some absolutely. of them aren't. Some of them aren't training in the same pool. Uh, you know, twice a day. Uh, you know, they're just constantly on the move, which, which makes it uh, a bit of a grind. Yeah. No. I. I uh, yeah. Certainly wasn't like that in Denmark, and it's. You know, in my experience, it's not like that in Australia, and I'm. I'm just not that sure how many people would do it. Um, but uh, yeah, when we were in in Denmark, uh, sorry, in Edinburgh. I was walking and we had the one car. Elle knew everywhere. <laughs> Just had to be a swimming mum and you knew everywhere and all the traffic and what was going to, you know, she was a local within six weeks. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was you know, quite an eye-opener. Um, and just before we, we get on to, I want to talk to you about the Olympic Games and you had a, a great season with Lucy um, and congratulations on, on, on her selection. Uh, for Tokyo, we, uh, just take you back to our two high performance meetings that stood out to me. I mean, I think you guys went to a few more. I, I went to two, and the first one was in uh, at Windsor Castle, opposite yeah, Windsor right. Castle. Yeah, Windsor. Yeah. And the the second one was uh, Jim. Uh, it was just a the U of E University of Edinburgh uh, chat, and it was with Adrian Webster. Um, but the first one, do you remember? I tried to get out of it, and uh, 
And if any, if anyone, there's two things you gotta, gotta you gotta do if you go to Edinburgh. Forget the castle, forget all the good stuff, all the history. Uh, you know, um, uh, the Harry Potter stuff. Secondhand clothes shops. You have to go into secondhand clothes stop and go to the ritzy areas. Not that where I found this suit. I would would it be a ritzy area where we were? Yeah. Nah, it's, it's very much in the student area, but um, yeah. That was a gem of yeah. a suit I found. Oh, yeah, it was like Eve St. Lorraine or something. I remember you went to trial on the first one you went to trial on. I think it was a suit from like an extra odd job of 007. Uh, the <laughs> belly out to here and arms up to here. Uh, and then you went and tried this other suit on because you didn't have a suit because it was all halfway across the sea or whatever. Uh, yeah. And you came out, you're like, I might get this. Oh, £15. That seems a bit steep. And then I I googled the name. I was like, hey, "This is like a seven hundred quid suit. Fifteen pounds seems a bit of a steal." Yeah. And people were seven, commenting on it. Seven hundred pound. It was a pinstripe suit, and the pockets were more pockets than you could poke a stick at, and they were gold lined. Like that's how much money you had to put in them. And, and I've been trying to get out of this. Uh, I, I mean, I'm glad I went. It was a good, great uh, meeting. Um, but I, but there's no way I wanted to go and buy a suit. I just bought a suit. In Australia, thinking I'd use it in the UK, and next minute, you know, I've got no gear, and so Matt takes me down to this this place. Anyway, that's unbelievable! It is the best suit I've got. I've only got three, but it is it is twice as expensive you know, as anything else I've got, and it's yeah, like you said, seven hundred pound. I got it for fifteen pound. It was just incredible. Um, and then the second thing is donuts. You got to go. Matt got me, you know, like I couldn't work out. Matt was into these donuts anyway, and uh, um, he, he still sends a few pictures, but uh, we took the kids out. I just wanted to get them out one day, and uh, and I promised them these donuts, and they were, we were, we were staying in Brunsfield, just near the meadows, and we walked through the meadows and through the city, and that, it was one of those trips with the kids where, are we there yet, you know, and... Uh, Mate, donuts in Denmark, uh, in Edinburgh. No one does donuts anywhere in the world. So, you still eating them, or or you you gone past that? You're on your bike. Yeah, but it's the only reason I get on my bike is to work off the donuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Uh, I still like a donut from time to time. Yes. <laughs> so, so tell us about. Uh, we'll get on to the swimming stuff. The Olympic Games. Yeah, you put Lucy on the team. Um, you know, we here in Australia, we experienced um, the whole COVID prep, um, but we were pretty mindful that uh, other parts in the world were having it tougher than, than us. Um, what was it like? Yeah, give us a snapshot of, of what it was like. And, and I think, you know, in our conversations over the last 12 months, did you use ISL? Um, I, I think some of them went out to ISL for a period what yeah, yeah. Like? So, so yeah. Again, you know everything. I guess like the whole world, they all came to a crash pretty damn quickly. Um, so, you know, we'd actually been having a, a really good time in in that twenty nineteen to twenty twenty season. Um, we had a good group. Um, obviously Lucy, um, Cara, uh, Kat Greenslade, and and Monique and Scott Gibson, who were all you know really pushing towards you know, seeing how close they could get to qualification. And we almost had like a great prep meet, which was four weeks out there in International, you know, um, 
Mo and Lucy had dropped some big PBs and, and Kat was you know swimming really, really fast for her and the work she was doing and then it all stopped. Um, but it stopped pretty abruptly for about 20 to 22 weeks. I think it was like the 21st of March or something like that and we got back in end of July 2020. So you know, it was a long time out of the water for, for all the guys. Um, I think it was... It was amazing, though, at the same time, okay, so you've got everything that, that went wrong and everything, but, you know, what it did was it allowed people to fall in love for a sport that is very monotonous and the daily grind, da 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 da, da. So, you know, it almost allowed a lot of athletes to re-fall in love with the sport. Uh, and what I got back, anyway, in the middle of July 2020 was a group of athletes that I'd never seen so much hunger, drive, and just determination from. So... Um, yeah, that was where we started. Uh, and we also had a couple of athletes that came in uh, just with the the way things were. There wasn't many pools open. So we had Scott Quinn and Katie Goodburn uh, come in from Warrender and they trained with us. Which, it created a really nice group. It was like six athletes, uh, you know, a luxury to coach for a, pretty much a whole year. Um, but there was a couple of, uh, so I guess, big hurdles to overcome. A, we had no idea when the, similar to most people, we had no idea when trials were going to be. We had no idea what they were going to look like. We had no racing structure or competition. There was no domestic meets in the UK till March. And the first one we weren't allowed to travel to um, because of the Scottish travel restrictions. So um, we made a decision that we would use ISL. Uh, fortunately, Lucy got picked up that year on energy standards. So uh, she was taken over as a really reserve. And, and we just chatted a lot around making sure she made uh, use of... Uh, the opportunity um, so that created an amazing uh, racing block for, for us uh, and I think that set up the whole cycle to be honest um, it allowed us to instead of looking at a big prep block and did it did it all that, all the bits that come towards that it allowed us to really look at the race and how do we refine the race what can we change race to race some of the things that we actually spoke a lot about with you about you know these bounce bounce to bounce races allows you to make lots of changes um, and that really set her up uh, confidence wise for the rest of the season uh, I guess the big thing with her um, was you know it was the end of a seven year cycle uh, of me and her working together so you know there was a lot of things that we'd, we'd built towards that point everything had been pretty structured um, and we were able to just um, cash in a little bit uh, in that year and as I say this is, this is the most interesting the two most interesting things I found about the whole lockdown was number one was the love of the sport everyone had when they came back. Number two was the importance of the lifestyle piece. I mean, we all talk about sleep. We all talk about well-being, da-da-da, and, uh, you know, nutrition. But see, when you have senior athletes and you, you give them a weekend off sometimes and they look like they've had 20 weeks off, uh, and, you know, we gave them 20 weeks off and they came back looking like they'd had a weekend off. So, you know, for me, that was a, that was a huge part of... Um, of learning was just that whole lifestyle piece um, but yeah no we had a great season it set up there uh, was it in ISL and we just went strength to strength um, you know we really uh, spent the whole year just trying to develop you know her strengths which you know she's a small girl uh, you know our power to weight ratio is a huge thing in our connection in the water um, so you know that was a that was a huge part of it yeah it's funny you should say that like um you know, we started back last Friday, uh, October 15th, just in the morning, uh, and then swam on Saturday, and then we you know, sort of back into this um, normal routine this week. 
and, and everyone's come back in great shape. Yeah, and, and I haven't, you know, I've, I've got national level swimmers. Um, and I, 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 you know, Jodie Henry comes to mind, you know, she'd have you know, four weeks off. We normally have four weeks off a year. Um, and she'd come back and look like she'd had 24 hours off, you know. It's um, the whole, you know, it's funny what swimming, you know, I, mean, I think I read once, you know, swimming's like the 10th best sport if you want to lose weight. And um, you, you just think about how much, and, you know, it's a cold environment, isn't it? And um, it's, it's, it's easy to, to, you know, if you think swimming's going to help you lose weight, it, it's, no, there's a lot of better things that you can do. And, you know, the swimmers can have a, a nine, ten-week break and come back looking like they've been training nonstop, you know, so... It's interesting. The um, um, and the ISL like like, so you did the ISL. When was that? Was that in? Oh, would have been, that was, was like late, late October. Yeah, tw- late October, November, twenty twenty. So they were in Budapest for you know six weeks or something. So you know what we we're, were able to do was put a real good reverse periodized block in where we just worked on speed. You know, setting up the technique through end of July, August, September, um, and then you know she was she was able to go and um, put some of that into practice. Uh, you know, and really see some of the development of the skills and, and race tactics that we were trying to improve at um, ISL, and it was it, it worked out really well because, as I say, she was only really she got told she would only be there as a really reserve. Um, you know, and she managed to sort of swim herself onto the team, so to speak. She was on, obviously just in the B relays, but you know, she became—I think she swam pretty much them all after the first one. So, you know, she got she got a really good run, and and, and that really helped us in terms of what we were wanting to do because you know we we're under no illusions that you know to try and qualify for the Great British team was going to be really tough, and where the best shot would come was for either a four by one or a four by two, which. Neither was actually guaranteed because they chose not to take them in 2019. So uh, they would have to go to U- Europeans to qualify. So we knew we were going to have to do something pretty special in, in those events uh, to make sure that there was enough girls that were strong so that team would get taken. But um, also just to show, you know, just how consistent she is as a as a relay swimmer because you know there, there hasn't really been that many opportunities for for them up to that point to to you know showcase themselves and put themselves in the shot window. So you came back. How long was she out at the ISL? So six weeks. So it was like she went away maybe the end of October or something like that and came back the end of November. Okay. So you had you trained up through through to Christmas, came back off Christmas. Um, when was the next meet that she did? So after that, we did some – we set up, uh, you know, again, you know, people in Scotland are amazing. Susan Liddell, who's one of the – the meet uh, organizers up here, she came in and we set up these domestic time trials uh, in our own pool. So to start off with, we weren't, we were only allowed the training group to be in them. And then we were able to widen it out and um, Glasgow were able to come over. So effectively what we did was we raced every four weeks uh, through January, February and, and March. The last one being we were able to go down to the um, Gla- uh, Glasgow, Manchester International, uh, Manchester Stage Meet, whatever British Showing called it, in March. And, and that provided us with sort of three or four race opportunities. So, you know, I think on that front, after that, what we're really looking at was 
trying to see where we could um, maximise maximise our gains. So, you know, we knew trials was going to be good because I think the first long, I mean, this was just swimming long course on our own on a random Friday afternoon. She was 158, uh, two or three, uh, you know, just at the start of January. So we, we knew we were in a good place. And I, I think the be- best thing about that was, you know, I told her she had to be fast through the 150. Uh, that was really the target, and, you know, I mean, the last 50 was tough to watch, uh, but I think she was like 126.9 or 127.2 through the through through the 150. So, you know, we knew we were in a real good spot, and especially when you can start to link up that 100 and the 200 for Lucy, uh, you know, she's got pretty good balance. Yeah. Like, we had a high-performance meeting on the weekend, and, you know, a couple of the coaches were saying that one of the things about this prep is – they could get quite good training blocks in because uh, um, of of the yeah there just wasn't the availability of swim meets as as often and frequent. Was was that the case in 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 the UK? Yeah, I mean it was it was amazing. It, I mean it it is almost like the perfect prep. You know, if, if you were a swim coach and what you wanted to do was an experiment, this would be the experiment uh, because you had all this time. Uh, and no distractions uh, mm-hmm. there was no meat distractions so you were able to plan out for the, probably the first time especially with senior athletes you know never mind 12 14 24 and, and 30 week blocks of of work into trials and there was also no distractions there's so there's no distractions or meat apart from obviously the isl but that was just a chunk uh yeah you know that that that, that was in one place and whatever and then you've also got to remember there was no distractions for them so you know, there was nothing for them to do other than be completely committed to their sport, um, which was, which was again, was really, really cool. So, um, you know, for me, it was just a humongous learning experience. Uh, of, you know, we're not going to be able to live like that all the time, but what pieces of information can we take? What things can we look at? Um, so in the future, you know, we can, you know, if we want to do a 12-week block without racing, we can sell that to the, the guys, yeah. you know, uh, or stuff like that but yeah that, I mean that was the benefit um, and, and also the other bit was quite cool about it was we only trained Monday to Friday because of the way you know all the rules regs about opening up and pool time and you know we could only have lifeguards weren't allowed to work so long so we only trained Monday to Friday we only trained once a day you know July August then you know maybe twice a day three times a week September, October, and then we went and raced. Uh, and, and you know, she was setting Scotch records. You know, swimming really, really fast off. You know, what we might determine as, as not very much, but um, what it was 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 just was again just a great prep with where you were able to put all the building blocks together in the right sequence without you know. And again, it was the uh, ironic. You know, you're in a global pandemic. Wow, well, we, we'll get to the end of the year later because that was a bit. Of a, a shit show, uh, but you know, up till up till trials, uh, you know, it was the first time I'd ever had a group where we had no days illness in the whole way through a prep. Mm-hmm. You know, no one got ill. We're in a global pandemic, and, and no one was sick <laughs> up to that point. So, uh, you know, it, it was that, that was that was great, and that, and again, that's just a bit of learning as well, especially when you work in maybe the university sector, and you know, there's a lot of interaction with students, especially this time of year. People can get sick with fresher flu you know there's 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 so many good learnings from that whole time yeah i mean that 
with, with the Australian champs march or something, I remember Michael Bold saying to me that, you know, Emma had only been doing like 25 to 30K a week uh, in, in the first part of the season. And so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing what, yeah, if you if you got purpose, 25, 30K a week, is fine, you know, if, if your purpose is creating speed and things like that. So, um, I, when I was there, you were, um, uh, you're like heavily into the Arn Albrecht stuff. And, uh, when I was in Denmark, there was a lot of chat about that. Um, and, but, um, yeah, you were the, the guy for me, you know, I'd, I'd read his books and stuff like that in 2000. And, Eight to 2012, but you had a really good handle on it. Um, since since I left in 2018, have you, did you continue with that or did you change things? Um, uh, I, I changed things quite a lot. There was a, there was a couple of things. Uh, I remember me and you having a discussion, um, you know, before before you left. I said, oh, what do you think? You know, what should I do in my coaching? Do you think I should change things up? It was like I don't know if you remember. If you've ever watched Notting Hill, that scene where he's going along, asking if he's made the wrong decision, he gets to the guy, and he goes, "Yep." Uh, and and that that was that, that was all I remember. That was Shannon's parting shot to me. <laughs> uh, and then you know there was an R moment. Um, you know, twenty nineteen uh, trials. I didn't have a, a tremendous meeting. Um, Kev Renshaw just had a conversation with me. That one of these conversations, it was at the right time, the exact right time, where someone was going to be listening. He said the right exact right thing um so you know what we looked at was uh the things that you know interest me uh i, I love the science uh and i love all that but i'm also a very creative mind um I, I, i'm not gonna say i was getting like set depression or something but you know i couldn't i don't there's a guy outside we spoke i don't know if you can still hear me but um uh you know i was just i wasn't being creative I yeah. was, you know, I was playing by a set of rules, uh, and I'm not very good when you put me in a box. Um, so, you know, I, I love my time uh, while I was looking at it, and I love all the things that I've learned and implement from it now. Um, but I have a lot more fun, uh, and you know, I'm a lot more engaged in, in in how I'm coaching now. You know, it was almost like, you know, again, it was a it was a point of difference, wasn't it? So you know, you know, when we were all together, it was like. You had three coaches doing slightly different things, which I think was healthy for the team because it then created discussion. It creates things, uh, you know, I think yeah. probably uh, holistically, I'm a lot more similar to, to what you do. And, um, you know, I'm having a lot of fun now. And, and and again, working on the things that, you know, I've just sort of changed my philosophy completely in terms of, you know, the, the key requirement, you always used to say that as well, the key requirement to being a swimmer is being able to swim, uh, you know, and everything's technique driven. Uh, and, and once we've sorted that, we can then play with your your body type and, and you know where your strengths are going to lie, where your weaknesses are going to lie, and really be creative. And I think the the guys really respond to that as well because you know they're getting the best out of me. They're getting enthusiastic back, um, you know. And sometimes you know um, the devil you know what's the phrase? The devil you know is better than the devil you don't. You know or whatever the phrase is. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know because you know we had a great prep. You know this was. This 2019, this 20, whatever this year was, 2021 uh, prep. I think I feel like I've lost like three years. Uh, but you know, it, 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 it's 2021 it's the first, for the 2020 Olympics. Yeah, yeah. 
it's it's the first time I've ever gone to a meet since I've come to Edinburgh. And yeah, I think we had an average PB percent uh, of like three percent. You know, it was the it was the greatest drops the guys have, have ever had. Um, you know, and I just think that comes around a whole load of things. And, and you know, part of that's you know how I've been coaching. I think I'm, I'm doing some of the best coaching I've done. Uh, and then another part is you know that that well-being piece and the guys putting it together. And I, I think that's the really exciting thing for us going forward is 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 building on that as a group. So yeah, no, I mean it's certainly. Yeah, what I saw in you and the, you know, we, we chatted weekly. You know, the setup we had at um, University of Edinburgh was was not not too far from what we had at the AIS um, with with three three uh, coaches on deck, um, all you know, talking swimming and um, great discussion. But you you always had that uh, creativity side of you, and and. Uh, and I think it's really important for all coaches to understand uh, the science, but then you've got to be able to go forward and be creative with that science. And uh, that's sort of, that's, that's the art of it. And, uh, um, and that's why I said what I said at the time, uh, you know, I think you, you know what you know, but now you've got to go out and, and put the, the Matt Trodden uh, brush to it. So no, it's good. The, um, and now you mentioned Europeans. How how so? You had the trials, then you had Europeans. How long was Europeans before the Olympics? Was it six eight weeks? What was it? So Europeans must have been. It was early May. Uh, I think maybe like I don't know tenth of May. I'll throw a date like that. And so it was. It was sort of three weeks after our trials. Um, so again, it wasn't like we knew she was on Europeans until like the last day of the trials and. and Don just came up and gave us a sheet of paper and asked what we'd, we'd, we'd fancy doing there. So, you know, again, we had to keep our finger on the pulse. You know, actually, the, um, you know, there was a, there was a funny trials at sto- stories because the meat almost didn't, you know, you know, we got there, we'd had a great prep. And, and in the morning I was chatting to her just before, because the 200 was on day one. Uh, and she was like chatting away. And then all of a sudden she went dead quiet when she went to pick up her kit bag. Uh, and I was like, are you okay? She was like, uh, I think I need to go and see the physio. And she like tweaked her neck. I mean, she like, she was, she was, she was, I was like, oh, great. This is amazing. Uh, and we went down to the physio and, and she was like, uh, you know, I've got a sore neck. And she was like, has she got long? I was like, nah, bags of time. You know, we're already late into the warm up there. And she, the physio gets to move her neck a few bits. I've never seen someone go from like not sweating to pishing with sweat and she just keeled over on the on the physio bed uh so you know the physio did a great job that morning a uh, better job than i did uh you know and we got her to the the, the race uh i think she went maybe 158 or 159 in the heats uh but you know everyone was coming up and oh she looks pretty good you know just uh backed off there in that last 50 i'm thinking she can't, she can't turn her head to breathe. She wasn't backing off. Uh, so I didn't know where it, where it was going to go in the evening. I knew we were in a good place, but, you know, she dropped from, uh, you know, she hadn't been 158, actually, since uh, that time where both her and Kat went 158 in, in Aberdeen in, uh, in 2018 in an, an official race. So, you know, we knew right. the prep stuff. Um, or 2017, whenever it was. I can't remember when that was. Um, so, you know, we knew there was a big drop in there and she went, you know, yeah, uh, one fifty-seven six, I think, in the evening. So, yeah, uh, again, that was a big drop. That set us up for the week. Um, but the hundred was a wee bit later on in the week. So, 
Uh, we were a wee bit disappointed with that at the time, the 54-1. We thought we we could, we had a race model set up. We thought we could do the, the Olympic qualifying time, which was 53-8-9. We knew that probably would only be enough for third, but, um, you know, or 53-8-8 it was. Um, and then we went to Europeans um, and she led off that really in 53-8-9. So, you know, again, that was a huge, huge drop. I mean, for a 24-year-old athlete, I think to drop, you know, she's went into the, whatever you're going to call that cycle, let's call it 2019 to 2021, is 55-1 to end up at 53-8. When when you're only like 55 kilograms soaking wet and, uh, you know, I don't know how tall she is, 150, I don't know, 160 something maybe. Uh, You know, she's not a very tall girl. No, 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 it was a great swim. Um, Yeah, I mean, she was so consistent in 17 and 18 when I was there and she could get up and swim fast all the time, um, but she just needed that breakthrough and he's obviously found that. Um, uh, and, and, and like, you know, I think, well, as you said, she was swimming 158 um, back then with, a, with that 55 type swim, but certainly made a shift. Um, and, yeah, it sounds like you, you did the speed block before they went to ISL, then you consolidated with the ISL. And, we, we, you know, on the last couple of podcasts, we've, you know, we've talked about reverse periodization and things like that. So sometimes it just happens without you even realising it. Um, but um, uh, you mentioned Cat Greenslade, best freestyle kicker I ever coached. 240, long course, 200 freestyle kick. Forget what a time was short course, but it was off the chart. Yeah, I think we've we've had a one hundred seven. I think one hundred seven uh, hundred kick short course on our board. Uh, yeah, you know, she was she was she was phenomenal. She was yeah, I think she, she was, was one something like that when she was me. Yeah, she she was the casualty of of COVID for us uh, because you know she actually she had a pretty tough year. She she did really well at twenty eighteen after you know just after. You, you know, she's had that great summer uh, European short course with yourself. And then, you know, that summer uh, she was part of that gold medal team in, in Europeans uh, for the four by two. And then she had like a, like a really tough year. I think she, I'm pretty certain it was whooping, well, it was whooping cough that she had. I was like, she's the only person who could pick up a Victorian illness in 2020, <laughs> 19 or whatever that was. Uh, so she really struggled that year. And then wow. she, she, she She'd done such a great job that 2019-2020 year, you know, she was, you know, really beginning to motor down into trials and then it all came to, um, you know, just just a dead stop. But the, the bad, sad bit for her was she was going into fourth, I think, fourth year medicine. Yeah. Uh, now, medicine's hard enough. Yeah. But when you throw in a global pandemic and fourth year medicine, uh, it just became, she tried, uh, she actually... She tried really hard to try and just stick at it, but um, you know she was only able to get about three sessions a week because you know they were required to do things, um, and and their course didn't. They, they were the only people whose course didn't really uh, change. You know she went out to ISL. That was I had a good discussion with the Welsh guys about this would allow us to keep her in the sport. You know we'll send mm-hmm. her out. We managed to get the university to agree to the the five weeks off, and then she went out. And, I don't know how she did it. Again, she's a she is a medical mystery. That's why she's going to be a good doctor, I think. Um, but she managed to break her ribs doing a pull-up. Um, so, you know, I sent her out with all these great intentions that we'd race the fitness, da-da-da. 
And then she phoned, she said, I, I've fractured a rib. I've just had a scan and uh, I've got broken ribs. I was like, well, that's gone completely the wrong way. Um, and then after that, she just she obviously wasn't able to get any training in and, and she sort of called it time just before uh, trials even happened. So um, so she was the only one that was like a real casualty, which was yeah. a shame because she did a great 2019-2020 prep. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a shame. Yeah, no, Kat was great. Like, definitely the... Yeah, you know, I've had some smart swimmers, but she she'd be at the top of the list, starting to be a doctor. And I, I remember when I I uh, started with her, um, and, and we looked at the you know the 18, 19, well, 17, 18, 19, 20, and there was no way, yeah, she was only just gonna get there if it was gonna be, you know, from balancing the two and the postponement of the Olympics would have been the nail in the coffin really so that's a shame because uh, a fantastic really good swimmer great internal rotation um you know so not the yeah she definitely wasn't um the the jody henry Penilla bloom um alice mills type swimmer but you know i'd describe her as as, as closer to a an ian thorpe type like with her um just her swimming cadence um and the way she swam up I always remember when I first started coaching, I thought Doug Frost would love to coach this girl. Um, and I was telling Dennis Cottrell about it the other day. But 240 long course at 200 kicks, she did some great sets, really impressive stuff. Um, so so how many weeks was that made again? So Europeans was because Europeans that was, was- – Sorry. Yeah, Europeans was just about seven to eight days, so that was that was mid mid May. Okay, and then that's when uh, Lucy was finalised on the Olympic team. Is that right? Uh, not officially finalised. She wasn't officially finalised uh, till after the last top up trials or whatever they caught. It. We had a Glasgow meet. I think that was around about the sixth of sixth of June, uh, somewhere around that. So. You know, it, it became quite a hard prep because, um, you know. Well, I remember you were telling, you're like, we were going through it. And after a while, I, I thought, I can't keep up with this. We're just keeping racing fast. Um, obviously, what we did was trials. And then we, there was a few things that we weren't happy about with the 100 trials. And we had a good few, again, that bounced back. Uh, we had a good three-week block where we could make some quick changes, uh, which we got that that return in that 53. And then it was just make a decision uh, at that point. Obviously, we hadn't heard uh, from anyone at British Schumann officially about anything. So, um, you know, we just made a decision. We'd go back into some training to try and make sure we were um, good for the games. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, you're going to have spent six, seven weeks, um, you know, sort of chasing your tail. Yeah, and and the, if I remember correctly, did she get COVID? Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, uh, what's the you know, some someone says never meet your idols or something. It, it's, it's some people it's like never meet your dreams because uh, you know she she got announced and then it was quite a quick turnaround. So she ended up going to the Olympic kicking out and she came back. Uh, I knew what the kids like, so you know. When someone's phoning you on a Saturday evening at ten to six, that's probably never a good good uh, phone call you're getting. Uh, yeah. But fair play to her. So yeah. she's gone down to the kitten out. She came back on the Friday, and then the Saturday she just had a bit of a headache. Um, so 
just to put her mind at rest, she took uh, one of the lateral flow tests uh, and then got a, a sort of double line. Um, so, you know, she ended up, I mean, she was really, really fortunate. She was one of these asymptomatic people, which she had no symptoms, but she still had a, a sort of mandatory 10, 10 days or whatever it is, um, isolation. So, she, you know, we lost you know, another 10 days of the training training program there. Um, and then, you know, there were some problems with her afterwards because once you've had COVID, you can still test positive for up to about 60 days or something after. So, Seriously? obviously, yeah, so she didn't, she actually never got to fly out with the team because they had all these tests, like, I don't know, 72, 48, 24 hours. And we're actually at the pool. That I don't think the COVID bit was the hardest bit for her. The, you know, we're at the pool on the Friday morning. She was just going to go and get the bus with the Sterling athletes, um, just waiting on her, um, you know, her test result coming back. So we just finished the session, sort of last session. You know, you know amazing. Good luck. Da, da, da. And, you know, she was wearing her Apple watch and starts ringing. And it's the doctor. And she said, oh, should I take that? I was like, well, again, if a doctor's calling you, probably not great news, but my, go for it. Um, <laughs> so she ended up taking it. Uh, unfortunately, that had just shown her very weak because it was still obviously this viral shred- shedding or whatever it was. So, you know, it ended up, uh, she was about seven days or something after she flew in. I think just maybe seven days before the meet started. So she, you know, she didn't really get much of the holding camp. But it ended up being like I ended up having to drive her uh, down to to Loughborough, and she 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 hitched a ride with one of the other British uh, staff down to to London from there. So you know that ended up being quite stressful. And that was what I was most worried about. I knew she was in a, uh, in good shape. Uh, however, I wasn't sure mentally you know there's only so much you can mm. you, you, you you'd work so hard there was quite a mental dream to, to you know try and make the team and then um you know that that was just sort of icing on the cake but um you know we had a bit of a, a covid at that point just a covid nightmare you know she ended up with that then uh, my wife ended up getting it and then i ended up getting it and then uh we had a uh, Quinny, you'll know you know Quinny. Uh, yeah. Everyone in the world that's uh, ever come across Quinny knows Quinny. But you know he flew out to Paralympics and he sat beside someone at, on the flight. Uh, it tested positive. He didn't get it. Touched, uh, thank God. But uh, you know with the rules in Japan, he still had a, a mandatory ten day isolation out there as well. So uh, by whenever it was the tenth of August this year, I was well and truly done with the <laughs> with it. Yeah. Uh, it's such a roller coaster ride, isn't it? You know, um, you know, it just reminds me of Eddie Reese. You know, he, he did a, 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 I think it was in the ASCA magazine, you know, coaching is one of the hardest jobs in the world. And and you sort of think, oh, well, it's not that hard. But then you hear stories like that and and, uh, and then you start thinking of some of your own roller coaster rides. And, and it certainly, there's so many, you know, you go from making a team. Oh, how how wonderful is this? And then next minute you've got COVID. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I think this is a, it's another important message for like everyone in coaching. You know, again, part of the reason why I think we dealt with it really well as a, as a group and as a team. And part of that's you know experience of you know learning with Chris, learning with yourself, life experiences of athletes that we've we've been able to work with. That you know, I think you've really got to make sure you're learning from all these things, otherwise. Mm. You, you know you can't make good of the situation when it comes and you know I really didn't see any of it as a as a negative I mean obviously it was a huge huge uh, negative but you know if we if we viewed it as um, the things that we could control then you know I think it we managed to get 
probably the best possible outcome. The only sort of negative for us was, you know, that whole June cycle, we aimed to try and flip everything um, around so we could get used to swimming fast morning finals, you know, all that sort of thing. And we, we never, obviously, there was a, a very staged return to water uh, practice after the, the COVID. So we never really got to um, do any of that stuff. But yeah, apart from that, um, you know, it was just one of those things. It's good to have in your coaching locker now. There won't be another yeah. tough, well, tough thing to- like that again. Yeah, it's in your toolbox now, isn't it? it um, yeah, it's something I always say. Yeah, you know, if you've only got a hammer in your toolbox, it's all you can use. But uh, you know, if you've got uh, five or six different things in there, you've got more more things at your disposal to be able to pull out when you need it. And you know, certainly, I think for everyone that's um, you know gone through this whole Olympic campaign in the last twelve months. Um, adaptability has been at the forefront, isn't it? And and whether it's a story like yourself or, or just, you know, um, here in Australia moving, you know, you think you're training at, at a location for two weeks and you get a phone call uh, one afternoon and, and, you know, you've got to be at an airport in two hours and you're being flown out. So, you know, so, but that's, that's some you know, name of the game, being adaptable to any situation and, and Olympics throws that up more times than not. Um, so, so yeah, you, you mentioned six, seven, you know, seven years you coached her? Yeah, seven years. So, yeah, 2014 through to 2021. So it was good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it's a discussion um, Greg Salter and I had on many occasions um, and uh, you know, you know, I think it was Greg that asked the question: How many years do you think is optimum with an athlete? And we came up with that sort of six, seven-year period. I always think it's three years. And it's a bit like if you're trying to build a club; it's three years to get things going the way you want. And I think with an athlete, it's three years getting to know that athlete, and then the next four years, you see the good work of the first three, and you can really get some some good performances under your belt. But then it becomes difficult, you know, for both parties, you know, athletes. And it's something that you hear a lot. Unfortunately, with athletes, they'll, they'll spend time with a coach, you know, for that sort of period, six, seven years. And then they'll move to somewhere else. And then, you know, and then they'll get an interview. And too many times I've heard, Oh yeah, I was just so unhappy with my last coach, and now I'm really, really happy with my new coach. The difficulty in in, in coaching people, yeah, you, know, you imagine going to school for seven, eight years, or twelve years with the same teacher, you know. Um, and you know, I think in the end, Greg and I, after many a discussion, came up with that sort of six, seven year period. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I think I think I think you're spot on with that. I mean, obviously, there's some other athletes in the program now. I'm getting the fruits of the labour with Monique. You said this is year five, I think, and and I would include Cara for obviously all the time it, you know you had her and Chris had her. It's almost like, although maybe I wasn't directly coaching her at that point, you know, I'm still observing everything. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I've still got that. Uh, you know, we just hit the ground um, running on that that front. So yeah, I think you're spot on. And, and you know, the thing about coaching is this. Uh, you know, is that I think it. You know, we should be willing to be not used, but you know, we impart our knowledge or whatever we have to share with an athlete. And once an athlete thinks that 
uh, you know, they can either get a, you know, they've used all that up or they want a cheap new change or a challenge. We just have to, you know, uh, you know, accept it or, or um, you know, embrace it because, you know, um, you know, I guess they'll never get one roll of the dice. We'll get, we get however many rolls that we want to coach with, uh, you know, I'll maybe meet, I don't know, seven, eight, nine of a, of a type of person. They'll never yeah. get meet, um, meet us once. Um, so, you know, that's that's kind of how I look at it. Um, yeah, so no, it's, it's all superb. Yeah, and, and it's it's um, it, it it's the same on both. It, it's it's a new lease of life for the for the athlete, but it's also a new lease of life for the coach as well, isn't it? You know, because um, it works both ways, and I, I just think um, you know, both parties if they can pat each other on the back and, and say thanks for the experiences more times. Um, yeah, everyone will be better for it. Um, I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, and this is probably, the, I think this, this whole podcast is amazing because I think you should be sharing everything because, you know, I had probably one of the greatest CPD opportunities a year with Shannon Rawlison. I think, you know, pretty much anyone would swap that in, in, in sport. You know, it was great. But one of the big things that I noticed with you uh, was the power of relationships you know sometimes like you especially when you came in I couldn't believe it like you know within about five minutes I think if you told, told those kids to rob a bank they would have probably tried uh, you know you're just able to uh, capture their enthusiasm capture everything uh, and you know for me that's again that's the biggest thing that we can we can leave with with this is is, is the you know obviously you'll have the success you'll have the swimming but, but the, you know the relationship bits um are, are really important as well, you know, and you know, you know, make make sure that's that's intact at the end end of the day. Yeah. I think that is, is a great piece. Yeah, the longer I've coached, the more that's become important for me. Um, and, and I talked about that in the podcast, you know, when I was with Denmark, and, and I've mentioned it in the previous ones, but the one that came out today um, that was certainly important. That. Um, See, see, most most other people on a podcast would say skip to uh, uh, four, minute forty six for that, but it could be hour something for you, couldn't it? The um now yeah, I hope people you know the intention is not to hit two hours with you, Matt, but, but I hope people don't think that's because uh, we've got nothing to say. Um, my wife's been giving me grief after my two hours, and then. Then Denmark came out with three, and she's like, "Oh, she just rolled her eyes and walked off." <laughs> but um, yeah, you mentioned Cara. So before we get to that, um, yeah, we got the Commonwealth Games coming up this season. You know, everyone in the Commonwealth's getting ready for that. Uh, we got Worlds before that, but you know, for me, Commonwealth Games is very important. It, you know, it's it's not the biggest meet in, in the world, but it's interesting. And Robbie, you know. You might be able to share some light in 2018. Um, and Matt, you know, from the UK point, um, with a breakout swimmers, like if you looked at, you know, when, when I was at the AIS, we, we were looking at Commonwealth Games years and um, Drew McGregor and, and John Fowley, I got them to, to do a summary on them. And I remember, you know, in 1998, the, stand, the, the swimmer that, that really came through was Ian Thorpe. Um, and then he obviously went on to 2000 Olympics. 2002 was Jody Henry, you know, uh, 
And, and what I mean is they, they mightn't be the swimmer of the meet, but they're the new swimmer on the scene. And 2006, the swimmer that comes to mind was um, uh, Stephanie Rice. And in 2010, it was Alicia Coots. Um, I think she, Alicia won six gold medals or something in 2010. And then she went on to win five medals in 2012. Robbie, uh, 2014, well, I wasn't at, you know, I was in Denmark. So, so both of you guys, who was well, 14, it in 2014? 14 for me was Petey. Uh, you know, I had a guy in the, in the 50 breaststroke as well, but, you know, that was his big one. That was the scalp of uh, Van der Burr. And, uh, you know, um, so he, for me, he was the he was the he was a big breakout. Obviously, he had Ross Murdoch there as well. Um, yeah, in the in the two hundred. So you know, but there was a whole heap of people. Uh, I think in that fourteen, it, you'll get the jump later on. That was Duncan's mm, um, Duncan first one. Uh, you know, um, we had a couple of kids oh, was, from Scotland. How old was Duncan then? Fourteen. <laughs> Twelve. Uh, no, I think I think he was sixteen or seventeen. I'm not. Oh, sure I, think he was, he was young. I think he was 17 at the Olympics, yeah. wasn't he, in 2016? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. He, he was young, but it was his, his first day. Because I remember, he, I think, yeah, it was Baku before that or something. You know, But that was yeah. his first first real taste of the international uh, senior scene, I think. So, you know, him, there was Stephen Milne. There was a whole heap of people from Scotland that, that yeah. really stepped up. Um, Siobhan Marie O'Connor from, from, I guess... You know, they're, they're just names that spring to mind for yeah, me. British definitely. I'm not sure about 2014, Shannon, but I know definitely 2018 on the Gold Coast, for me, it was Ariane. I think that's where she really came to prominence in terms of the Australian media and people really going, oh, shit, you know, we've got somebody here. This is somebody that's, you know, she's going to really start chasing down somebody like a Katie Ledecky. So... Looking at 2018, I definitely think um, Ariane Titmus. if you look at where we're at now and what she did at the Olympics, that's probably the name that springs to mind from the Gold Coast. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised you said that. Um, yeah, Duncan Scott, definitely in 2018. That's what, He beat uh, Kyle, didn't he, in 2018, in that 100 free? He um, Matt, just so you know, mate, Shannon does this quite a bit. <laughs> he will throw out a fact, but he'll ask it as a question, as if like, just somebody back me up here, please. I think this <laughs> is right. <laughs> and he does it to me, and I think, you're Shannon Rollison. You've got shitloads more bloody in knowledge in that brain than I do. I think you are right, though, because I have seen um, – I just remember I've got this image in my head, Matt, of 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 um of Duncan just going ape shit at the end of one of his races, and I can only assume that that might have been the one. But got just... my excuse was I was on a plane. I was coming back from Edinburgh, you know. Uh, I put Lizzie and Cat on the on the plane, and off I went. So um, I came through, came in halfway through the meet. <laughs> but now I'm pretty sure, it, yeah. Look that up, would you? I'm Robbie? doing it now, mate. You can continue the conversation. I'll do and a bit of research. Duncan, like, hey, he is a, I mean, yeah, Kyle's a great swimmer, obviously. Duncan Scott is a very, very good swimmer. I, I couldn't believe he wasn't in that 100 free in, in Tokyo. Um, but anyway, I'm sure people have got their, had their reasons. Um, he won the yeah, 200 look, free. He won the 200 free, did he? Yep. Who won the 100 then? Now you're asking more questions, God damn it. He got silver in the hundred free. 
Oh, Kyle did. Kyle must have won it then, did he? Well, he must have. Sorry, um, Kyle's a big fan of the Shannon Rollison podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know Kyle that well. So uh, probably going to stay that way. <laughs> um, the uh, but no, look, yeah, the Commonwealth Games. It, it, it's uh, it, it's an interesting meet, and I, and I think one of the things is you, you get a taste. Well, the swimmers get a taste of what village life is, and uh, the only other meet that comes to mind is um, university world university games. Um, but you get a little bit of a, a snippet of what the Olympics is going to be like. And so you get a taste of, you know, athletes get a taste of whether they like it or not. And, and it's interesting, you know, it's just an interesting stat that we looked at. So, you know, Birmingham coming up, um, it's in the UK. You know, I've said previously, uh, you know, Manchester 2002, one of the best swim meets I've ever been to. Um, and, you know, I don't know who was doing the announcing. Maybe it was, you know, the Scottish guy. But whoever the announcer was in 2002, he did a great job. And I'd never seen so much war paint uh, at a swimming, you know. It looked like, the, you know, the cast of Braveheart, you know. So, um, you know, Birmingham's going to be a fantastic meet. And if anyone who hasn't made a team or if, or if you haven't had a major meet in the UK – you know, you want to be there because the UK really knows how to put on a on a swim meet. How's your team looking for that, Matt? Yeah, I mean, well, it's going to be tough. There's, uh, I guess, um, you know, play, point, places is uh, tough for Team Scotland. So, you know, I think originally there's only 16 maybe for aquatics. Uh, hopefully that's going to get increased. Uh, you know, I think Ali and Alan will be pushing for that to get increased, especially... Off, I think there was five or six Scots at the, the Olympics, so that there'll be, you know, we should have more places. Um, so, but yeah, we've got a lot of athletes in the in the program. You know, they're really striving for that. Um, you know, hopefully we'll have you know five, six, seven. It'll be in contention. You know, like we we've had three or I think three or four have already swam under the qualifying time. So it's just a case now of um, you know continuing to move forward and, and really put themselves as high up that Commonwealth rankings as possible. So if, uh, you know, you, well, you'll know my thoughts on the 2018 uh, uh, games and, and especially what, I guess, me and you had to go through with a couple of athletes uh, in terms of that. So you Yeah, know, they didn't really put enough focused. people on the team. <laughs> yeah. How yeah, many was it? Really good. What was it? I can't remember how many was on the team, but obviously we obviously had uh, sort of two girls, the really and, uh, you know, ten for the other really were provisionally put on but about eight weeks or six weeks before uh taken taken off so you know this time around we're going to make sure that there's no questions to be asked uh you know for, for a lot of our guys we're going to try and make sure they're you know, not just thinking about putting them on the team but where do we need to where, where we're going to be when we're when we're there so uh yeah it's an exciting year for us um yeah for sure so and the beauty for us is we've got that we've also got a few english people uh in the in the group as well um, and then we've got, a few, we've got, you know, we still managed to, even though we've, you know, we still got a few foreign athletes in the, in the, in the team uh, too. So you know, there's there's, a, there's just so much going on next year. There's a Worlds, there's a Commonwealth Games, there's a Europeans, there's a World University Games. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be a year of swimming. 
Shannon, I just want to jump in. Sorry, mate. I, I need to make an apology because I know people listen and, and I know what people are like in 2021 and they pick you up when you make mistakes. So I, I want to own up straight away. So I was looking at something incorrectly. Duncan actually did win the 100 meter freestyle on the Gold Coast. <laughs> He did win, so we can <laughs> we can put so. that down. And apologies to Duncan, who I've had on the podcast twice, and he's a great he's a great lad, and I do enjoy having him on. So apologies, Duncan, mate. You know he did he did get the gold there. Um, Matt, I just want to quickly ask because just talking about Duncan, and you, we're talking about the uh, Gold Coast 2018. Now I've asked him before one of his favourite meets, and he's he's put this down as one of his favourite meets to be at, but he he said it's it was absolute carnage. What would he mean by that in terms of maybe that after the, the, the meet itself, did he enjoy himself? What was it sort of like after? Do you, do you know? Did the athletes get to enjoy themselves after? Well, I was in Dublin, so I, I can't tell you what, what life was like in the, in the Gold Coast. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, it, yeah they it sent seems, him to Ireland. Yeah, they sent, <laughs> sent me to Ireland. I went the other way. Uh, so, yeah, no, but... Yeah, I mean, I was on that fourteen team, and it was, you know, a couple of games. It was, I guess, the Olympics is similar. You know, it was just a blur. Uh, you know, you get to the end of it, and you think, actually, what just happened there? Uh, you know, and, and twenty fourteen was such. You know, if you were on the 06 or you know the Australian one, the home games, it's just, it's just such a blur, man. When when you finish, you're like, whoa, what just happened? And, you know, for me, there's there's a few things that stand out, but you know. There's a kid we've got in Scotland, Stephen Milne, great, great swimmer. And I, I remember in the 400 freestyle in the heats on day one, uh, he just had a mental turn against Mac, and, and I think it was Mac in the in the 400 free heats, did like 15 off the wall and just mashed down that last 50. And I just remember there was like a wave of Scottish kids that were on the team that had watched it come through. It was just the excitement. And, and that was almost the point for me where I realized, well, oh, geez, this is going to be a pretty cool meet for us. Uh, because, you know, I'd, you know, it's just wee bits like that. I always try and pick up on it. I think that was, it wasn't this, it wasn't the catalyst, but it definitely was a spark. It, it had the catalyst for us in a meet like that. And I'm sure there was plenty, especially with people like Duncan and that on the team for for Scotland in uh, 2018. Yeah, yeah. No, it's funny you mentioned it was a blur. Like those those villages, they're just they're busy. You know, there's, there's stuff going on. And I said it previously. Like each Olympics I went to. The Olympics got slower, um, so it's yeah, you know, it's funny you, you say that about the blur because that that's how I would describe Athens. And um, I mean, I remember before they, you know, it was like one of these Scottish conferences before, and it was like you know you had to sign up. It was the Sport Institute Sport Conference, and I didn't bother signing up to anything. You know, I was just there. I thought I'll just go in, and then all the talks you want to go into are, are signed up to. So I ended up going to this this talk it was by i can't remember the canadian woman's name but it was about making sure as the support staff and team that you you know, you were fit enough for the for the um for the games um so you know i, I went and i did did this talk and she said you know you've got to be fit for it i was like <laughs> whatever man I've, there's never been so many photos of a bus taken of me uh being asleep on a bus uh as, as in that time so did you see his dog? Yeah, we did see that photo. That was a, hey, that, a cute dog. Yeah, he he has sent me videos <laughs> of that dog. Like that's not a still shot. <laughs> he rides with that dog. That dog, if it could swim, <laughs> with those goggles on. He's riding through the meadows. Yeah, it's brilliant. 
Uh, you could put a movie on that. The um, no, but uh, yeah, the villages are definitely different. Um, and, and just on that, uh, so obviously, you know, I, I, while you were talking, I thought, is is Cat retired or is she going to go for the Commonwealth Games for Wales? Yeah, no, she's she's retired now, so. Um, okay. You know, she's in fifth year medicine, so she'll be Dr. Greenside by the end of the year. So yeah, okay. no, that, that's her that's her now. So, you know, she had a great great career. Um I think, you know, a European champion. Uh four, was fourth at um European short course in that two in the back when you had her. Uh, I think fourth. Yeah, she was yeah, she was finalist in that turn of back, the turn of free. Maybe the four free as well. Um yeah. fourth you know, she, Stuff like that. Yeah, you know, I think I think I think I think people like her and Lucy are you know great examples that you can get you can get a you know I'll send like a an advert for Edinburgh University, but a world class degree, and you know still make your you know your swimming dreams. So you know it's it's great to see um to see those guys and you know I think you know they're a great advert for the sport. You know just their discipline. Yeah, no, to do absolutely. both at the same time. Yeah, it's just, it's um. Yeah, it's yeah. You know, I, I won't get into it, but you know, in, in my opinion, GB should should uh, look after those athletes who, you know, in Cat's um, circumstance, she needed to be at Edinburgh Uni because of that studying to be a doctor, and and she she yeah you know, she probably could have got a bit a bit more support. Um, let's just say that. Hey. Um, uh, yeah, car is still going, um, and uh, you know, breaststroke—that's where you started you know, with your first success in breaststroke. And I want to get onto that with UK, but before we do that, um, she made a good drop this year, eh? Sixty-seven. Yeah, so you know, she she ended up sixty-eight zero at the trials, but in the, in the three prep meets, I think we did. She was sixty-seven five, um, yeah. which was good. But you know, and the two hundred as well. You know, she dropped from. 228 to 226 something so um and then 31.00 in the 50 so um again similar to to lucy you know they're both very similar type girls and you know a lot of it um was was around what can we do to play to their strengths uh you know you know the amount of times you said train the physiology and then train train the limbs to be able to do the event um and you know for me that's the the big thing with her so she responds really well to sort of contrast training so you know making it harder and then she just feels super strong when you when you take whatever it is power rack propeller you know uh, you offer so she responds really well to that so you know, we're quite excited for her this year you know a lot of the data at Mike McKenna our physiologist has come up with is that you know her swimming speed and her dive you know would suggest that she can swim 66 uh, it's just that five and ten out of the wall uh, yeah. stuff where she 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 loses it, and you know part of that's going to be around again. She's sort of fifty four kilograms, so you know, there's not very much up much to her, you know, to get momentum off that wall. But you know we're working pretty hard on some things to to maximise um, that. But you know we've we've she's just gone strength to strength. Um, you know she she started that. She so she's an interest an interesting one, you know, because. She had that breakthrough with with yourself, um, and then you know I just managed to get on the coattails, uh, and we kept that rolling, uh, and we ended up going through all eighteen up till Christmas. Um, uh, you know she was she was flying just 
we just managed to get onto one of those momentum shifts where it was just PB after PB after PB after PB. Uh, and this is fun. It's quite easy. Uh, and then <laughs> and uh, another one of those phone calls on, uh, on, a, uh, on a weekend morning. Oh, Cara's phoning. This, this, this isn't going to be great. Uh, and she'd, you know, she'd fallen and, and, and broken her uh, wrist. Um, you know, and quite seriously, you know, she ended up getting a pin uh, put in there. And, you know, I, I really wasn't bothered at the time about that. Um, although, Consequently, when I spoke to the physios after, I should have been because they were a bit worried that she would never get the full rotation back in her wrist. The only thing I was bothered about was we'd stopped the momentum train, uh, yeah. and there's no guarantee that you're going to get that back. Uh, but the kid worked really, really well through uh, 2019, uh, and, and then just uh, got back on on where she'd, she'd stopped. And again, she's now a great kid. I think kids like Lucy Cara, people like that you know, the, the, the type of athletes that you, you're going to have to work with them until they're 23, 24, 25. Because I, I think the smaller that the athlete, the the, the, the longer you need, because you need to train that all up, you know, they, they need to learn, you know, how their body works. And then you need to make sure that you develop that completely to get the end product. And I sometimes think we don't always, you know, again, another great British example would be, and again, I, I don't really know her, but someone like Anna Hopkins, uh, you know, it's taken, you know, I know the stuff that Mark Skimming did with her all through Bath. Mm-hmm. I mean, she obviously went to America and come back, but it's taken all that to, you know, get, get the 23, 24, 25 year old Anna uh, flying in it. And I think people like Cara and Lucy, it's, it's a similar tale. You know, you don't really start to see the fruits of your labor until you've, you've, you've built almost a full picture. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, Cara was, you know, I think she, she wasn't in my first, when I first got there, um, she came in, I mean, she was trained with Chris and then Chris put her with me, uh, off, off that camp in August. So she, she trained with me for, for that second half of 2017, 20, and then into 2018. And some of the sets she was doing was great. And, and, and then, you know, she'd go to a meet and she'd do a PB, but as a coach, you were like, oh, she's better than this, you know, like, but as you say, it's just time. And, and, you know, and you think back, I think back and I mean, oh, Tani White was like this, you know, I think when she had a big breakthrough um, from a one seven plus swimmer to a one six swimmer, uh, Lee Nugent said to me, oh, did, you know, did you see that coming? I went, yeah. I've seen it for ages. Finally, it just happened, you know. Um, and, you know, Tani was, as you said, you know, you know, 165 or something like that. So, yeah, I think that's a, a very good point. Um, and, and on that, you know, breaststrokers, I've got a good question coming up. But, um, you know, for years uh, it used to just do my head about why UK had, has, has had such a history of breaststroke. Um, and I went back and, and I've had a good look. And it's actually, for some reason, you know, so, so before I ask you the second part of the question, why do you think UK has had such a good history at Olympic level with, with breaststrokers? I mean, I think there's always been depth in our breaststroke. There's always been pressure. Uh, you, you can, I don't know, obviously, I was only born in 84, so uh, I can't comment on too much before that in your Moorhouse and Goodhue and 
you know, all those days, but you know, there always seems to have been at least three or four world class breaststrokers in, in the UK at a time, which you know, I think is important for uh, moving the sport on. Um, I'd agree. You know, I, I think I think some sometimes the problem that we've had in others, not to veer away from breaststroke, but in other events, you know, I, I think Jimmy Goddard was one of the best back crawlers I've ever, ever, ever seen, you know, but there was only ever him and Gregor, there was, you know, at, at that time, there, there wasn't the same upward pressure as you had, you know, you had, uh, you know, even in that 2002 Commonwealth Games, you know, for, you know, Eng, Eng, just English breasters, you had Mew, you had Gibson, you had Whitehead, you had Cook, uh, then you had Edmonds, you know, you, you had a whole heap of uh, world class press strokers, and you could probably do that all the way through. Um, you know, probably hitting its peak in you know, at 12 to 16, especially in the men's side when you had Gilchrist. Uh, you know, uh, I forgot the other boys, name it Bath, you know, MJ, uh, Benson, Murdoch, Silvinsky. Um, you know, you had just probably top it. You had Cal Tate, a guy we had in our program, at, you know. Swam two ten and could only finish fifth or sixth in the in the tuna breaststroke mm. at, at champs. So, you know, I think that's probably the the reason, um, or, or a big part of the reason. Uh, and then another part of the reason, I think, is just how we how we sometimes train. You know, it's a power based stroke, and um, you know, um, some of the British methodologies maybe lean towards um, some of that. Yeah. Now, um, I, I remember, like, I picked your brain a lot about this, and. And, and I, you know, you said that and uh, looking at the, you know, mainland Europe and the way they uh, train predominantly uh, and then looking at, at uh, the UK and then, you know, chatting to you, I, I would totally agree with that power-based type training. And then you look at the other events that the UK are quite good at, that's where that element of power, you know, comes in. Um, and I think there's a short course element to it. Um, uh, and then obviously, and something that I'm a big believer in, in is that, that upward pressure. Um, because if you look at, so, you know, so, so for the men, that there was always more than one breaststroker at a time, you know, you had Morehouse and Gillingham and, um, the, uh, women's side of, the Olympics is quite sparse. Um, I, I don't think in the last 50 years there has been any female breaststrokers win a medal. Um, but, uh, but, but again, you look at some of the other events that the UK have been strong at, uh, men's distance, back in that mid-90s, there was two distance guys. Um, you know, Rebecca Adlington, you know, Joe Jackson was there and, and a couple others, so... Yeah, and you look at Australia's history, and, and there's always more than one. So um, it, it also, on the, on the flip side of that, you know, makes some of the Scandinavian swimmers, um, you know, Sarah and yeah, Rega and, and and people like that, like exceptional swimmers, to have swum as fast as they had without that upward pressure of a, of a big nation. You know, so uh, it was one of the things I I thought about when I was in in Denmark as yeah, you know, how could how good could some of these swimmers been if they had been in a bigger swimming nation? Yeah, you know, would would they have been better? Yeah, we can't say, but it certainly would have been different. So, all right. So here's the big question, and uh, 
You ready, Robbie? Oh, mate, I'm ready. Who's your goat male breaststroker of all time? My goat male breaststroker of all time, Kitajima. The double double, 2004, 2008. That's for me. Is the is the is the best, uh, you know. And again, that was a time when I was swimming, and you know, he was, he was just an idol. Uh, but you know, I think he was he was just phenomenal. And you, you, Robbie? Yeah. Well, for me, I, I, I and I text you this too. I had Kitajima for a long time as a swimmer, and uh, similar to you, Matt. I think I was born in '86. So I'm not that far off you in terms of you know, just um, being a lover of the sport and, and what we grew up with. But I can't help but say Adam Peaty just in the last few years. And, and I've had him on the podcast and I told you, he, you know, he's just that alpha male. And, I, you know, I've got a man crush. I'm not going to lie. There's a bit of a man <laughs> crush going on there. But just what he's able to do. And he transcends swimming a little bit. And that's what I do like, you know, from a podcasting point of view. Uh, yeah. You know, that name is very well known around the world. Um, you know, and I dare say even outside of swimming circles at times, whereas Kitajima was a, a bona fide superstar within swimming, I think. And you just look at Adam Peaty, and I don't know what he's dancing like, Matt. I don't know what you get to see on that dancing show he's, he's on over there. I don't see too much, but just his reach in terms of getting outside the sport, uh, I think that tips him just over the edge for me. But look, Kitajima was... Yeah, he, he was my idol for a long time. I loved what he did. And it's a sort of um, apples and oranges, really, those two in terms of swimmers, aren't they? But, yeah, Adam Peaty's mine. What about you, Shannon? Look, it's close between the both of them. But, um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll give it to Kitajima, uh, the double-double. Um, just that, you know, the 100 breaststroke and the 200 breaststroke are different. And um, there hasn't been too many breaststrokers that can, can do the both. Um, but obviously, Adam, you know, uh, he's done 2016 and, and uh, 2020. Um, and obviously, with Paris, uh, he's got the opportunity, I'm, I'm assuming it will keep going, that he can do something that only like Dawn Fraser and, and uh, um, Egazegi, Christina Egazegi in the turn of back did. So, and no male's done that. You know, so I think if if he goes if he gets the triple, yeah, then then yeah, that's gonna be. Yes, if he, if he gets the triple, I'll get, I'll give him it. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd probably have to give him it too because, you know, I think at the moment Kitajima, um, because of the you know the double double and that that hasn't been done, um, but uh, uh, you know, no males gone three times uh kieran went close uh, in the 1500 and grant hackett went close in the 1500 so alex what did he get he went 92 96 he get second second or third i can't remember where he came in 2000 anyway all i remember is he didn't wear the suit remember he had these old togs he just had the training bags he was a cool dude, Alex. <laughs> um, I've got another good question coming up. But, uh, and actually on that, a um, little bit of Olympic trivia, and when I was looking up the UK um, stats and stuff, breaststroke, this is a bit surprising. The 200 breaststroke at the Olympics first appeared in 1908. When do you think the 100 breaststroke first appeared? 
I'll give you a hint. It's after 1908. A long time after? Yeah. Like in the 50s, 40s? I'm going to do my sums, so don't give you a a wrong one. 1934. Robbie? Oh, now Matt's sort of led led me down a bit. So I'm going to say around... Yeah, well, I'm going to stick. So I'll say not like 1940. Yeah, now you've got me thinking I've got to do my. Yeah, I'll just in the 40s somewhere. 1968. Oh. I mean, you would think it was the other way around, wouldn't you? Yeah. So, yeah, much more history in the 200. Um, and then uh, another little bit of a. Uh, I looked, yeah, you know, I was on the, the men's tallies and then I was on the women's tallies. And uh, the top three nations. Uh, medal tally um, for men, USA, number one, Australia, number two, Germany, number three, GB, number six. And then on the women's side, USA again, and bo- yeah, both both men and women were way out. Uh, Germany was second. Uh, obviously, the 70s and 80s helped them there. Uh, Australia was third. So... Um, so, you know, on that side of thing, you know, the men have won more medals than the women. Maybe maybe there was there's more opportunity years ago in events, I'm not sure. Um, but GB was eighth, so sixth for the men and eighth for the women. So a little bit stronger with the men. Um, just the last two things, Olympics, your thoughts, Matt? What do you think of the Olympics? Anything I lost them this year. Surprised? Yeah. Uh, I was surprised that, well, I mean, again, you know, just looking through the medalists, uh, I always ask, you know, Mike McKenna always does some analysis for us and just how consistent the, the medalists were, you know, in terms of their race uh, breakdown. Um, you know, that was for me, there was some big shifts in certain events, you know, how, how events were being swum, uh, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, but, you know, you, you know, I don't know, it was such a good Olympics to watch. It was such yeah. a, it was such an emotional Olympics for the athletes as well. Uh, it just felt, I don't, you know, I, in some ways, uh, it, it was different. It was special, but um, you know, um, for me, it was. I, I really enjoyed watching it. Um, you know, and some of the turn ups for the books. You know, uh, people that just got that extra year uh, came through. It just made the sport more exciting uh, because. It, it wasn't just off the script uh, you know there was some you know that, that kid in the was it the 400 freestyle uh, you yeah. know it's coming from nowhere uh, that's stuff Maui. like that that's, yeah, that's amazing yeah you know? that was an open race uh, wasn't it yeah um, the stuff, stuff like that was great Matt just quick question sorry Shannon to jump in you say you, you noticed a few things there in sort of the stats in terms of the, the race analysis that came back what, what did you see yeah, so I mean, in the women's, we, we, we did some stuff on the women's kind of fly and looking at that, and there was just a sort of increase in the average stroke rate uh, across the event from the three medalists. You know, we thought it was quite interesting. The women's tuna fly as well uh, was was a wee bit different, although it wasn't as highly competitive as maybe women's tuna flies have been in the past. Uh, although the top end was, but the, the overall event maybe not so much. Um, yeah, and, and and then just some of the the variations, some of the outliers. You know, the American girl, you know, who won the hundred breast was how she swam the race. Obviously, 
very different technique, but you know it was it was quite different to mm. um, you well, know how others were <laughs> Yeah. It was unbelievable, wasn't yeah. it? I was like, was great, what am I looking at? Swim. Yeah, so so but yeah, you know, it was it again there was stuff like that. Um and yeah, no, just that's how I also like to start the season. Uh you know, just to have a look at that sort of stuff. So I, I, you know, you only really have to start as a swim coach, you really only have to start earning your money. And Shannon's been at this end of the stick a few times when you're at the very, very front of the field. Uh until that point, you've always got a reference point. You know, it's like an artist. You know, if you if you if you, if I'm sitting in front of a landscape, it's easier to paint than if I if you tell me go and paint the Manhattan skyline. I'm like, ooh, uh, you know, what does that actually look like? Uh, but you know, for us, uh, you know, the ch- for the chasing pack, there's always a reference point. Uh, and the good thing about swimming is you can always find a reference point to your athlete or you know someone that's either similar, similar swims at similar similar height build. You know, so there's a lot of things that you can you can look into so that's a bit what i like yeah no it's a good point um yeah it's it's something i hadn't, haven't thought of in the past but you come up with some good ones matt one of the matt's best ones that i use a lot is once you've overcooked a steak it's overcooked <laughs> you can always you can always salvage anything yeah. uh, until the point where it's gone past uh, yeah and then that, that then that's, that's a very it. good point uh, yeah. i like that one i'm gonna write that down yeah, um, it's it's a good. Tell the missus too, just so she knows what. <laughs> she doesn't listen to the podcast, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, the couple of interesting things that that I, you know, got out of it. Uh, you know, some good racing. It's the most most Olympics I'd seen. You know, um, because as I've said, when you're at an Olympics, you, you miss a fair bit because you're, you're busy. Um, so it was the first Olympics I've been able to sit down and just watch since 2000. And, um, but, but a couple of points. One was made on the weekend that I was surprised of. Uh, we had a, there was a topic on injuries. Australia's most successful athletes at, in Tokyo were the most injured. So... Um, so that was a bit surprising. The other thing that I thought was, you know, there's some events that just aren't moving really, are they? You know, um, and, uh, you know, the women's turn it back, absolutely tipped my hat to Emily, you know, to win the bronze in, in 206. But I looked it up, you know, here's an event, you know, for, for people to, um, you know, sort of get, you know, have a go at you know two oh the bronze medal winning time in two sixteen was two oh seven five, so Tokyo was quicker than that. But twenty London two oh six five and uh, Beijing was two oh seven one. So it hasn't really moved. You know you mentioned the turn of fly. The winning t- times were quite quick, but what was it? Seventeen people entered the race, uh, and I think only fifteen swam. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then the women's 400M, 432, and we, before we, we got on, Hannah Miley, she'd been 431 in her career. It's, uh, yeah. you know, timing's everything, isn't it? You know, you've got to be, you, one, you've got to be in the race to win the medal. And two, uh, it's a saying I, I, I used for a long time, people win races, not times. So basically, if you're not in the race, you can't, doesn't matter. You can't win a medal. So, you know, so that, they were a couple of points uh, that came out to me. 
Um, look, just in wrapping up, uh, you know, I've given you guys a, a lead way of this. So I'm not sure if you've done your homework, but um, I'll let you guys. So, so basically, name your top five UK swimmers since 1971, which is basically the year I was born. So it's 50, in the last 50 years. And it doesn't need to be Olympics. You, you just, in no particular order. Well, I want to go first because I feel oh, you like, want to go first. well, I just feel like nobody really cares what I'm going to say, but you want me to, you wanted me to say it. So I feel like I'll just get mine out of the way. Uh, so, diversity. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I appreciate it. Man. I, I do. Um, so a lot of mine, look, I want to give a special mention to, to Dan Wallace, who I've had on the podcast too. Uh, I thought he was a, a great guy and, and very level-headed for someone I've had on the podcast. A lot of, you know, swimmers, um, you know, you know, here, there, or everywhere. But he, I felt like he was a real down-to-earth type of guy and had a, a good level head about him. But my top five, and I did actually have him in order, sorry, Shannon, but number five was Hannah Miley, four-time Olympian. Number four, I had Liam Tancock. Number three, I had Rebecca Adlington. Number two... It was hard, but I, I put Duncan Scott at number two. And as you know, my man crush is Adam Peaty, so he had to be at number one. But I did toss around with, with Duncan because I'm a big fan of Duncan and, and I think he's supremely talented for the amount of events that he's, he's able to do and, and get up for. But um, that's, that's my top five. But nobody cares. Matt, what, what's, what's yours, mate? Right, well, I've, I've taken out Duncan and, and Peaty because – you know, they're two would be bankers and they're not done yet. So uh, I've gone based on people who are, are no longer swimming. And I've not I've not delved back as far as 1971 because you know, <laughs> we don't have YouTube for that. Uh, <laughs> but I've just gone, I've gone for swims that I remember. Uh, and I think number one, this is going to sound funny because, you know, people won't classify me uh, as a big distance lover, but 2004, David Davis. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, Silver medal. It was the first. It was the first time I'd seen a sub fifteen minute at the trials. I think it was fourteen fifty seven, and then he obviously went I think fourteen forty five at the games or something like that. Yeah. You know that was that was that was a huge one for me. Uh, again, you know, just again growing up at iconic as a, as a youngster, Steve Parry. Uh, you know, yeah. butterfly. Um, I had um, yeah, sure. Um, I had Tancock. Uh, you know, world record. Um, you know, and I love the way he swam, uh, that sort of high tempo, how he sat in the water. Uh, I put Fran Halsall uh, down just because, again, she was a sprinter, uh, and I love the way she swam. You know, again, just watching her over a long, long time as well, two thousand and eight to uh, twenty sixteen, right up there. Uh, and then, you know, I just put the other one down because, again, it was just one of my favourite of her races. Uh, but MJ and that two in the breast. Uh, that's that's probably my favourite ever. British swimming race, uh, you know, obviously is a good pal of mine, uh, but you know, it was just, it was just everything coming together. So you know, I've, but I've not based it on maybe the top um, five swimmers. I've based it on the top five swims that I've seen. I think of of, of British swimmers that have finished. Obviously, Petey's the world record in twenty twelve. Again, if you come back to me, uh, and. Uh, you know, 2013 uh, was at trials. I remember I, I had a kid in that race and, you know, I was watching it and I was like, bloody hell, he's, he's not doing very well. 
he's five meters behind Pete here as he finished and then it was only when he hits the wall and it gets announced it's a world record that's just not so bad <laughs> well done you, you, you did a PB you were just six meters behind <laughs> yeah I mean yeah uh, Michael Jameson that was a brilliant result wasn't it silver in, in the 200 breast in 2012 I, I was when I was looking up um, you know British swimming uh, the Olympic stuff yeah, you guys, yeah, Dave Wilkie, Duncan Goodyear, Adrian Morehouse, Nick Gillingham, Michael Jamison, and Adam Peaty. You know, it's a uh, you know, fantastic result in in a, in in a one stroke, the depth, uh, just sensational. So, but um, that's good, guys. Like, uh, it's quite diverse. And um, I thought I was going to have an outlier, but uh, you guys have trumped me. Um, I've probably, I'm probably showing my age here um, <laughs> in no particular order. And I'll go with maybe what I thought might have been a bit surprising. I'll, I'll give a special mention to um, Duncan Scott because I'm a big fan of Duncan. And, uh, you know, and he's got more, you know, as you said, he, he, his career's not over. Um, and Nick Gillingham, because uh, Barry Prime coached him, uh, I thought Nick was a great breaststroker. But anyway, my top five, um, I've gone in no particular order. Dave Wilkie, Adam Peaty, Rebecca Adlington, Adrian Morehouse, and Sarah Hardcastle. You remember Sarah Hardcastle? <laughs> I, I don't know. Actually, Matt, if she was Scottish or English, but but uh, I, I remember Sarah Hardcastle, 1986, at the Edinburgh Commonwealth Games, almost broke uh, Tracy Wickham's 400 freestyle world record. And no one had come within QE of it. And she went, uh, it was 406 was the world record, and I think she went 406 or 4071 or something like that mm. and end up winning a medal. At, I think she was a medalist at, at the Olympics in 84. So, yeah, now she could swim. I had an idea we'd be quite diverse, Shannon. That's why I purposely added a few from, you know, more my my time because I thought you, you're definitely going to throw out ones that I'm not going to know the names of. So I, I thought I'd chuck out a few that were – and also, you know, because the podcast. I, I don't know if anyone's actually picked up from off the, off the blocks. I actually have quite a few Scottish uh, and, and British swimmers on a, a lot. So I, I enjoy it. I love having a chat. And also, Matt, because I, I, I don't know if anyone's noticed, I'm having a couple of wild turkeys. I've loved the time that we get to chat to them because it's perfect drinking time. So I'm having a chat and having a drink at the same time. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> perfect for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, mate. Apologies. Yeah, yeah. Just still on the call. People coffee. cast aspersions if it's for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been great. Uh, thanks very much for your time, Matt. Uh, I know you, you got to get going, and I think we've just broke our podcast, Shannon Rosen podcast record. Eh, I'm not sure. Ad, uh, Alan, Alan Thompson was around an hour and a half or something like that, so we'll let you know. <laughs> oh, well. Good if it's a PB. <laughs> <laughs> We're always striving um, for those PBs. It was very good. I enjoyed it, and uh, we'll have to get you on again. Yeah, uh, Robbie, you I hope, hope you enjoyed it. Oh, mate, as I said, I, I love this stuff because I don't have to work as hard. You do all the legwork, and I just get to sit back and listen. As Again, I don't know if you've noticed, but I wrote down quite a few different notes and things, and 
uh, little sayings and tidbits. And I did actually pick up quite a bit of what Matt was saying about 12-week blocks and racing every four weeks. And I wrote down a fair bit. So it, it was good. I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I'm listening as the listeners do. So I know they would have picked up quite a bit. Nah, very good. I just want to thank you, Robbie, for getting this man on there. Uh on a podcast you know uh i think you know for me it was the it was amazing uh the year year and a half i spent with him and you know i wish more people could have heard uh all the things that i've heard so you know if you're able to tease that out of him then that's amazing i mean when he first told me he was doing a podcast i was shocked uh because he's he's the only man i've ever met in my life that tried to fix an iphone with a knife uh <laughs> he came in one morning and he was like yeah, I think my phone's knackered. I was like, it looks knackered. He said, yeah, I tried to fix it with a knife. I was like, yeah, <laughs> not, no, not, the, not the tool uh, most people yeah. use. And uh, Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I love the fact he's got a microphone here and everything, you know. Uh, that shows personal growth, Shannon. Well done. <laughs> I thought you were going to uh, talk about my filming progress. Oh, well, I mean, I thought I'd leave that, but no, now you've brought it up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, 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 that one morning when he came over to me, he said, Matt, said, yeah, what? he says, this iPad, how do you get these videos to play? I was like, you can't, Shannon. How not? I was like, because they're pictures. <laughs> uh, he, he'd taken six pictures of turns. There was bums in air. There was pictures of queer water. I mean, very artistic shots, but um, nothing that you could pin a technical technical model to. Yeah, they they were better off in the gallery. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Oh yeah, well, no, it was good, great good to see you. Some good stuff. All, all the best, and we'll be in touch, eh? And uh, um, look look after Charlie. I see he's, yeah, he's we'll up do, those we'll stairs, do. so he's going to keep you on your toes. Now you're in trouble. Yeah, he's beginning to move. He, he was a lot of fun while he wasn't moving. Now he's he's, he's very tired. <laughs> Yeah, bloody kids. Once they find those stairs, you're in big trouble. <laughs> yeah, time, time to buy a bungalow. Yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right, mate. Thank you very much for joining us on the show. Um, thank you to all the listeners for joining us once again. We'll be back again next week, you know, to share some more great stories from uh, from the man who, you know, can only share these stories because he's been there, he's done that. That's what I love about this, and I know, Matt, you would too. You know, we're not sitting here making stuff up as we go. These are, are from a man who's actually been there and done that and, uh, and you know, his experiences and the people that he's worked with, like yourself. So thank you very much to all the listeners. Thank you to Matt for joining us. Thank you to Shannon for, uh, again, sharing some great stories. Um, and we'll we'll see you all again next week. Thanks, guys.